Hello everyone and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Encrypted is a weekly podcast dedicated to guiding you through the blockchain and crypto universe. My name is Ahmed Al Balaghi and I'm coming to you live from Area 2071 in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And with me today, we're going to have an awesome episode because we're going to be talking about a specific sector that is utilizing blockchain to actually solve problems within that niche. And so we're lucky to have one startup and also one traditional player within the insurance market. And I'm very lucky to have Walid Al-Dib, who's the CEO of Adenda, and also Vivek Bala, who's the Director of Business Transformation at Takaful Imarat. Say hello, Walid. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yeah. And Vivek, say hello. Hello. How are you guys? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Great. So, um, Willie, could you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. So I co-founded Adenda with my brother last year in July. We were working on it in stealth in March while still employed. Previously, I was a loss adjuster. So I was working in insurance for three years. And I was, I've been obsessed with blockchain since 2012. So it was kind of, it made sense to have these, both these concepts marry each other, so to speak. And we got our company incorporated in the IFC in September of last year. And we've been developing and building blockchain use cases on, since then for insurance. Cool. So uh, here I am, Vivek. So I have been into insurance last 18 years. And this 18 years has been into technology space as well as insurance space. So a techno-commercial guy, you can say. And uh, with all insurance experience coming on board with Akafal Emirat and starting the digital transformation, the business transformation for them as director for uh, Takaful Emirat have been a phenomenal journey. And uh, we have seen how to translate a traditional insurer into a, into a digital insurer. And we are proud to say that, okay, uh, we have been there. We have been there with new technologies. We have been there with uh, automations. We have there with digitalization. So we have been into a uh, total workspace. All right. And could you explain a bit more about Tikafuli Marat for, for those who, who don't know it much? So you guys started in 2008, right? And then been... Uh, That's correct. That's yeah. correct. So we have been into 2008 since since we started the company of Sharia compliant insurance company. Yeah. So we are an Islamic insurer. We have been into uh, medical and life insurance space. We are uh, supposed to start our general insurance spree quite soon, which not only reduces our ambit, but it increases beyond beyond thoughts. So we are we are bound to grow from a traditional insurer to a digital insurer, uh, deploying all required technologies, uh, which say uh, which helps in automating and giving value to the clients. So we do with return on investments. We do with the thought that the client gets benefit. So we, we are of approach for outside in approach rather than a thought process within the company. So we say what our client needs and we deliver that. All right. And Willie, could you explain what Adenda is in, in a nutshell? Yeah, sure. So we're a blockchain-based insurtech that is trying to identify um, kind of bottlenecks within motor insurance and life insurance at the moment mm -hmm. uh, with uh, local and regional insurance companies, focusing mainly on the Middle East at the moment, where we're trying to build a consortium of insurance companies on the blockchain, uh, allow them to share non-commercially sensitive data with each other mm -hmm. to um, reduce overhead, streamline processes. And because traditionally insurance is a very manual process that takes a lot of time, we're trying to digitize and automate it by using the blockchain. 
All right, great. So we'll probably go into that in a bit more detail to see exactly how that's being done. So if one of you could explain really the sort of, in general, what insurance is, and also just to go into the breakdown of the um, sort of the challenges that the insurance industry is facing. Yeah. So quickly, uh, to recap of when we say that what is an insurance, so when we say we mean insurance in the sense that whenever something negative happens, the general feedback, the general culture of understanding is that whenever the some, some eventuality happens to corporate, to an individual, to, to the society, the insurance companies take the responsibility as a, you can say, a social responsibility, wherein we come into picture and start start giving the consolation to the parties who are struggling right who are struggling in terms of terms of uh, the eventuality that happened to them may it be a life of an individual may it be a medical health of an individual may it be a, a home insurance may be a, a motor insurance so fire insurance so flood insurance so those those things come into picture when when you see an eventuality right so the eventuality is a negative sentiment when we say, but positively, if you see a social responsibility, uh, Takaful concept itself is a wider concept where we believe in sharing. So when we believe in sharing, which means Islamic uh, values, wherein we come and say that, okay, we all share the, the risk, we all share the corporate social responsibility, we all share uh, uh, a societal responsibility, yeah. wherein you guys, contribute we don't call it as a premium we call it as a contribution yeah. so we all contribute towards a goodwill of the society and once that is achieved whatever is balance reserve we redistribute within the within the policy holders we call it as we call it as the the contributors so the contributors get the value for money from from the perspective that they contributed towards a cause and once the cause is met or the access are achieved we redistribute among themselves. So that's the thought of a Takaful insurance company. So that brings into picture that what all the challenges the insurers have been facing since since Stone Age days, I will call it as. So the Stone Age days, when I say that, the insurers have still been using those 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 old systems which are which are, which which tie your hands and and you have to just look at them like a, like staring them at and at a glance and that you can't do anything so those challenges have been faced by the insurers insurers have never been prone to thought process that they will be contacted by the clients uh, quite often they were they were of the thought process that they sell the policy and there is a claim so there was no interaction never happened between the the customer and the insurance company over the past years and and uh, Walid has been into uh, the loss adjuster role earlier, so he will have a, he will have a claims experience perspective where he, he he can see he can he can tell you that when when we started at just adjudicating the claims, the challenges were uh, there there is nothing nothing electronically available, yeah. the data uh, the data the data was segregated isolated pieces of systems did exist. Mm -hmm. So there was no such thing wherein the customer would have a peace of mind saying that, okay, when I need them, uh, they will be there. 
it was from a from a perspective that okay the systems are there which are which are old enough not to serve the clients not interactive so those challenges were there with the insurer insurer sitting on piles of data doing nothing yeah. because because they don't know what to do or that they're too competitive to share the data i mean uh, maybe one of my my problems sorry to interrupt no that's okay was was uh, seeing just how many were the processes were but not just that rather the nature of insurance companies being so competitive against each other as opposed to collaborating banks when i look at them they've kind of moved ahead from that and they're collaborating with each other whether on the blockchain or otherwise mm-hmm. and um, it's a thing that i'm seeing insurers slowly do for p3i as an example which these guys are part of the kafla marat is a part of b3i but we saw that i'm going to give you just a very rough example here uh, when it comes to you getting a car insurance you're asked let's say you're using an aggregator like yalla compare or any of these other websites the website asks you have you had accidents in the past year or they ask you like what's your nationality how long have you been driving in dubai now some of these questions are easy to guess because you provide your passport but how long have you been driving in dubai or other things similar to that for example um, how long have you been driving full stop they can't really know for sure so they have to depend on the policy holders or the policy applicants honesty mm-hmm. uh, which which could be a problem so to speak because it's not in your favor to tell the truth you'd yeah. rather say i've been driving for 15 years and i've got experience for x years so with blockchain you can tell for example if someone has an accident before you if they had an accident with an insurance before, company before you can be able to tell that if that insurance company shares that data over the blockchain in a distributed manner yeah so so uh, walid gave a phenomenal example wherein uh, blockchain if i if i be precise in technology the the blockchain in insurance or in any such use cases can't exist without uh, mutual sharing of the data so the mutual sharing of the data or the trust within the partners has to be there so uh, again i i recall my my conference back in amsterdam when we were when we were having this b3i conference the ceo was very particular in saying that the thought process of making a blockchain work in 2009 as a bitcoin was coming back to the idea of trusting the society so when you say in a, trusting a society when you share the data so when you share the data it means authenticated data it's not it's not uh, it's not the the data which is getting uh, trash data in trash data out but who would authenticate that data so you have all these sort of different let's say you have all these different insurance companies who actually come in and say okay we're all going to share our data who's responsible for authenticating it so i mean in terms of using a permission network or private or permission network so we're using hyperledger fabric at the at the meantime and it, the same thing could be said for ethereum you have these uh, kind of logic engines operating within the smart contract for for hyperledger that's called a chain code where x cannot be entered unless it's meets abc requirements for example a name cannot be entered where it's a uh, a number it has to be a name but that that still does not prevent you from entering an incorrect name so what we've thought about was having api integration from your legacy software within the insurance company because insurance companies yeah, okay. don't want to change their core systems having to type something and then type it again on an interface that connects to the blockchain means redundant work and that's the last thing you want to tell an insurance company i, I don't correct me if i'm wrong no no you're right yeah. so uh, so to to reply to walid's uh, thought process is saying that insurance against systems are stone age systems yeah. right so they have moved again moved a lot away from their base systems so whenever they receive an upgrade also for example some systems receive an upgrade for api integrations they are not ready to accept the upgrades because they have moved drastically away from the base systems now the, the thought what walid mentioned is how to integrate 
as you said, uh, Hamad, saying that how do you trust the data coming in into the chain, yeah. right? So Walid mentioned a solution wherein, wherein we say that, okay, directly integrating the systems to the core, to the core, to the, to the chain, to the chain. But the, again, the problem remains same. So how do we integrate the systems of 70s? the systems of 80s or the green screens, right? There are green screens, mm -hmm. systems running on AS400 and all that stuff. So there are old systems too. We have to be mindful that newer technologies allow us. So I, 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 will, I will go back again to my those days of 2005, 2006, wherein we created RPA for AS400 systems. So you don't need humans to interfere. Now RPA allows you to enter at a device level. So at a device level, you capture the data, you push the data using API to the chain, and here you go. The data is in an intact manner, and it is in a exactly what you need form. So there is no manipulation of data. So the trusted data moves from one system to the other. All right. That's so the precise answer. To confirm then, that basically you're essentially allowing, you're basically bridging the gap between the, the insurance company and the, um, the, the blockchain, blockchain system or protocol. Yeah, the actual pro blockchain protocol through an API, which Correct. would which would basically record this data in the structure that insurance companies are already familiar with. That's right. So, in in, in even taking these examples with uh, permission networks, the ownership of the data is clear in every instance. That means that if the capital Emirat or I'm going to use another insurance company, any other insurance company adds information that is incorrect, if traced back to them, you would know that it's incorrect. And by having API keys that might expire every now and then, you ensure that these guys are keeping up to date with making sure that their APIs are in check. They're actually uploading all the data, or sorry, logging the data as it gets logged internally on their um, existing systems yeah. as well. And there's also really in, the, in, in a public blockchain, the general idea is that the parties don't necessarily trust each other. Whereas in a private blockchain, they don't fully distrust each other. They just want that nudge to go to the next step. So um, decentralization or the obsession with having a, a public blockchain and needing that does not really fit the enterprise level. So I think that's why coming from someone who used to be a Bitcoin maximalist, keep in mind, I wear Bitcoin socks. You used to. Well, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I, went, I went corporate. <laughs> that's where the money is now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the general idea is, is if you've got a line, one line on, the other, on one end is decentralization and on the other end is, is utility or accessibility or ease of use for corporate. I think okay. corporate clients don't care about decentralizing the entire chain of events yeah. that take place as much as they care about having it be distributed, be immutable to change, and being able to identify who owns the data that's being submitted. I think that's the priority. All right, and so this is, from my understand right now, is this is like one sort of implementation of how blockchain can be used um, but what does this actually mean? So, okay, what's the point of actually getting all these different people around the same table, mm -hmm. connecting the APIs to the blockchain? They're all sharing the same data. What what does that mean? Like, like what's it going to do for my insurance? Where does the end user right. see this? As you're talking about as the end user or as as the insurance company? Um, both. Okay, so I'm going to give an example, and I know Vivek's already thinking of another example because uh, I'm kind of reading his mind here. The, the example I have in mind is if you look at the, the entire value chain of insurance, just to give you an overview of how similar to logistics it is, but instead of Apple's and IBM and all those, you know, Merck applications, think documents. You've got, first of all, you've got the client. So you've got the, let's say, the policyholder, who is you. And then you have an insurance broker who sells that policy or 
is, is uh, tries to work on the policyholders' behalf to get the best policy they can from the market of insurance companies. So that's the direct insurers. Then what happens is, in reality, these direct insurers, they don't uh, control all of the risk. They then reinsure it. So that's where it gets a bit complex. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this reinsurance before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to reinsure, you use a reinsurance broker. And then you've got reinsurance. And then these reinsurers, correct me if I'm wrong, have retro reinsurance. And that's when you think about, I don't want to go too deep into the 2008 crash, but what happened was at the end, there was nobody holding the bag after AIG crashed. So mm -hmm. I'm talking strictly from an insurance point of view, not from the property side, which I don't really understand. But the, the issue at hand here is that you have all these characters or all these peers, let's say, I want to say nodes, along the value chain of insurance. And by the time data is transmitted from the policyholder, you, to the all the way across the chain to the, to the final person who is the reinsurer, for example, who's legally not allowed to communicate with you, by the way. He has to communicate through the channel. By the time the data gets to him, it's already changed. I can promise you. Correct. Well, why, why is it changed? Is it So let's say I'm going to use a few examples. One of them would be, for example, uh, patient records. Mm -hmm. By the time you've healed up or by the time he gets the claim information, by the time he pays for the claim, you might be sick for something else. So your status as an employee or your status, sorry, as, as a policyholder, your health, your risk, so to speak. When we say risk and insurance, we mean the object being insured or the person being insured. So risk and insurance does not define the same definition that people usually understand. Yeah. So you are the risk, so to speak, because I'm taking a risk by insuring you, right? As a reinsurer, I usually, if you're dealing in, in bulk numbers of people, if you want to insure the entirety of AMR's employees, that's a huge number of people. When someone gets employed and someone leaves the company and when someone gets ill or something happens to them, by the time that data reaches the reinsurer, it's already changed. So blockchain allows you to have that data change be dynamic, yeah. where everybody across the network, broker, insurer, reinsurer, and policyholder, mm. really knows dynamically yeah. how many people are being insured, mm -hmm. who has filed a claim, okay. why, All right. where's fraud happening. So medical fraud, by the way, in the UAE is about a billion dollars per year. That's almost a Burj Khalifa. <laughs> So I'll, I'll take this uh, cue from uh, uh, Walid <laughs> and I'll move this uh, discussion towards a real blockchain implementation wherein, wherein, uh, wherein the value of the money is being uh, derived, I'll say, to be precise. So we have seen this EY. I can see right opposite the EY. Yes. So I, I, I remember this use case. So EY has developed a solution for Mercer. Okay, so Mercer is uh, one of the biggest shipping companies. At certain moment of time, they have roughly thousands of vessels uh, uh, in transition, right? So, as Walid said, when the information of the transmission or the when the information of transition of a ship reached the underwriters, when you say underwriters, uh, Ahmed, it means those people who underwrite the risk, who, yeah, who take takes yeah. for the insurance companies yeah. to be to be on, on a, for a layman's language. A lot so of who, terms. Who, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to who? So again, I'll, I'll, I'll later we'll talk about that how underwrite came into existence. Okay. So remind me about that. So when we were when we saw that there was a case study for blockchain wherein a ship was moving from X destination to Y destination, there was no data transmitted between them. So for example, if a, if a captain wanted to take a risk and want to go through the war zone, looking into that there is a, there is a stability and calm prevailing over there he can take the decision right over there through blockchain because the IoT devices on the on the ship are sending the signals back to the insurer back from there and without human intervention and at the right moment. So to the insurer, to the reinsurer, 
to the lawyers to to everybody who was the stakeholder in that in that transition yeah. so which means it allows the captain to take the decision now mm -hmm. and rate up the premium by that margin because he is taking higher risk by crossing the war zone so the war zone premium is higher and as soon as he ends the war zone the premium again comes down yeah. earlier in those days the ship used to start from destination x and leave with the with the premium which was okay the captain has to take the decision now whether he is going to cross the war zone or not up front and increase the premium for full transition for full destination for full journey which has now minimized so this is a real time example of mercer implementing blockchain solution they started in 2016 and they went live in 2018 so that's the real life example so there here you see the blockchain not only in terms of in terms of authenticated data but in terms of value chain value proposition saying that the chain gets the real time data which is which is authenticated without any human intervention as i as i repeat and secondly the underwriters are comfortable that the risk is is for this period for 10 days or for 5 days and in turn what what the mercer saves mercer saves cost of insurance mercer saves cost of so you can say fuel and and etc etc et and 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 there is no delay i i have seen incidences wherein the the policy gets underwritten and the risk gets started even though the reinsurer gets to know the intimation after 3 months so finally the paper document used to travel okay for example there were 20 insur reinsurers so for one insurance portfolio there were 20 reinsurers complex web usually so complex so everybody has to sign the papers physically mm. now the data transmits immediately that's why b3i came into existence so the risk started in january mm. and they signed signed off the paper in march so see the gap Three months ago, now with B3I as a as a reinsurer consortium and an insurer consortium as well, we are we we are we are there with the data now, and similarly with with Agenda, probably the consortium. When I say consortium, we would we would love to have consortium members in UAE as well, who can come onto the chain and get value add not for 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 only for for them but for entire stakeholders. sitting in that consortium and finally the authenticated data is available for the regulatory bodies as well so it's a win win situation for all in the blockchain with iot with ais and 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 you can see i would also say for example it's a win 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 where the third win is the consumer because we've talked a lot about a corporate benefit and and the governmental benefit but the consideration for the end user is at the moment insurance premiums which is the money you paid to have a policy insurance premiums take into account fraud across the spectrum of whatever is being insured so for example any insurance premium takes into account a percentage of likely fraud within the ecosystem of how many people are insuring with more transparency and by reducing fraud at the end of the day the value of the premium being made to the end user i.e. me and you is going to be less yeah it's going to go down yeah exactly all right and that now you you mentioned something that's really interesting especially today i was giving a fintech course to a group of lawyers and i was actually one of the segments within it was in insurtech and sort of talking about that um especially since when it comes to insurance the, the idea is that every a lot of things can be automated you should pay less like if i just drive 5 hours a week why don't why why am i not insured only for those 5 hours a week um and other concepts like um you have the like startups like lemonade where they basically process the claim an ai chatbot essentially 
called Lemonade process a claim in three seconds, right? So, and you also mentioned IoT. So how sort of in a, in a broad level do you see um, IoT, uh, AI and blockchain coming together to make insurance um, really powerful to the end user? Because I believe that if, if, a, if AI alone was sort of implemented, so if, if it would be able to actually read a legal contract um, and actually cross-reference it with others um, and the actual claim, they could do that in a heartbeat, but they're not in control of the actual um, delivery of the payment. That's a, they, they'll probably send a request to the bank, but the bank will probably take time. But if it's a public blockchain where there are tokens involved, um, then that would be an instantaneous transaction. Right, so if you guys are using a private blockchain, how does that essentially work out? That sort of transfer of value, sure. or are we like a long way away from it? Not, not really a long way away from it. So there are, there have been several examples. One of them, I think, was by a startup, or now a company, because I think they're, they're past years a, uh, called Chain. That where what they had was a was a was a, a blockchain ecosystem for reconciliation between two insurance companies or insurance companies and end users. And um, where certain values below a certain number would get dispensed immediately via banks. And if a value exceeds a certain number, then the bank owner has to manually just accept the transaction, uh, but in an interface that's used by all players. So you have a dashboard, I have a dashboard, and the bank has a dashboard. And by integrating with the bank's APIs, because now there's a whole, like there's a gold rush towards open banking and APIs for banks and having them integrate into other things. So you could have it such that the chain does not only include insurance companies, rather the banks that these insurance companies use. By having these banks and by having rails with R3 Corda or with Ripple or with anything, I'd rather not use tokens for really for legal reasons and for regulatory reasons. So it's not always that we There'll hate be tokens using tokens about <laughs> cryptocurrency, like what yeah, you know, exactly. just the, the concept of using um, tokenized. Yeah, exactly. That Absolutely. tokenized sort of version of Absolutely. Or it could be regulated, non-regulated, utility, whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it's just sort of that concept. Absolutely. So, I mean, that, that is actually what's happening with, with Chain, that is that they're reconciling payments. I, th I don't know if they've left prototype stage, but I'm sure they've got a bank and a couple of insurance companies on board. I'll answer that, Walid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll answer that. <laughs> he so, has the information for B3i. Yeah. So, the, the, so when you say the blockchains are existing in private, uh, that does not mean uh, that they can't be public. It's, 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 a, it's a small acronym when I say. So so B3i is a private blockchain of insurers and reinsurers put together, right? So insurance companies want to uh, want to cede a risk to a reinsurer. So here here you go. Now, the chain that what he was mentioning in on R3 Coda platform have a, a claims module or a claims claims engine or a claims blockchain solution, which they have integrated with V3i. So that doesn't stop you. Now the era will come, um, Ahmed. So integration of chains. Like interoperability. Right? So two private chains, interoperability, two blockchains talking to each other, although they are private. Okay. Here you go. So, so what I mean is when you say it's public, Necessarily, it may not be public. For example, if we are successful in creating a in, in creating a private chain in UAE for life insurance, medical insurance, and uh, general insurance, motor insurance, to be precise, we we can tie up with other chains as well globally. That doesn't stop us. So the 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 thought process of integrating or 
or and and that's and, and let me tell you that's that's the way things are facing facing up in in back in uh, european uh, countries so this is what they are thinking like on this so even if the chains are existing in private there has to be a platform wherein they talk to each other that makes sense yeah. so those those things are those things are on the cards uh, now coming back to ai so i i'll i'll share with you an example saying that okay so those we have been working towards ai a lot as the company so we have been uh, working towards identification of frauds right wherein wherein the wherein the provider does a fraud or uh, or some some client does a fraud so those those things are that's why we are we have brought a consortium together now on ai stuff we we have de developed some algorithms which which say that by default there is a risk engine so once the data starts pulling in from iot's or from from the pharmacies or from the providers we being hospitals providers being hospitals providers being hospitals and for example telematics devices so when we say telematics devices we mean to say any sort of telematics devices may it be a apple watch may it be a uh, you can say a device on your car that records your your speed limits your sharp curving and all that stuff so we feed the data to a centralized chain and on top of that we have an ai algorithm working to identify the frauds and the risk so that's a risk engine so those things are are there so and and that necessarily okay when do ai work or when can ai predict a model till it cannot till the time you have a authenticated data source so authenticated data source from which can be done from uh, iot devices directly integrated to the to the blockchain platforms and and okay again as as you say encrypted so it is in, it is encrypted yeah. uh, okay i'm i'm using those those high end terms but uh, probably valid will have those niche terms the chain code and all that stuff but but makes sense yeah no no yeah, no no i understand um and and i mean Really, the way I see it is, for example, if we were to take a shipment of oranges, be moving from point A to point B to point C, the blockchain side determines the authentication of data and ownership. The IoT is where the data gets pulled from. So let's say in, in these instances, it's where the transaction starts. It's from the IoT device for these oranges, whether you want to see the temperature of the oranges or the location or the humidity or whatever. And the AI algorithm, after a certain point, I can't really see a use case for AI in my specific example here, but it could be whether percentage or likelihood of something happening at a certain location based on historical data derived from authentic blockchain resources as well as the IoT sources. Yeah. All right. And in terms of at least um, now looking, you know, you guys are at the fintech hive in, in this current cohort, right? Yeah. Um, experimenting uh, insurance for blockchain can you um, sort of explain like your uh, sort of recent experiences and um, particularly in doing like POCs or took for Imarat like how is this sort of startup and traditional player working together so I was really to be honest with you I was kind of surprised at the reception we got from local players now Fintech Hive has five insurance partners, AIG, Zurich, Adnik, Takaful, Emirat, and North Takaful. And the reception that was best, again, surprisingly, was from the local players. Uh, you would assume that international players which are part of B3I or that have huge offices in tech and all that stuff would do a great job, and they are. Mm -hmm. But the local players have such a more lean approach, a more agile approach yeah. that leadership can decide immediately, okay, I want to do this. We've learned a lot that our initial POC, we've scrapped it completely because we found that it was a beautiful use case for something that never happens. It was something we were trying to identify fraud, uh, consumer fraud, where if someone has a watch and claims it from two different places, if he loses it. 
and we use a serial number, encrypted it on chain, and had that be a token. Um, again, beautiful use case. I don't know if it's ever happened. It's a genius fraud idea, so whoever's listening, you'll never get caught doing this, but uh, <laughs> not, not very likely to happen. Um, on a more serious note, there was a really beautiful mentorship exercise. Also interesting to see how much some of these insurers actually already know about blockchain in general and use cases that could apply to insurance. So we're working on a life insurance POC with a couple of insurance companies at the moment uh, from, from FinTech Hive who have mentored us throughout the process. And we've also had the chance with Takafur Marat to go meet with the insurance authority. We went with the director of the insurance authority. We showed him what we had. And there was, I would say, no immediate objection. The insurance authority, being a regulator, obviously cannot give you a full response unless yeah. it's in writing and takes time, which is completely understandable. That's how they work. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, but but yeah. the thing is, by them not giving me a upfront objection. It's the same way with ADGM in Abu Dhabi. Uh, they have a KYC um, AML kind of private blockchain going and they showed it to the central bank. I think the general MO of the regulator here is to, I'm watching you, yeah. keep doing it and keep telling me, keep telling me. But other than that, we're, we're, we're okay. Yeah, the main thing is that you, you update them. You keep As often <laughs> as possible. You know? yeah. And, and somebody has to take an initiative, uh, Ahmed. So as Walid said, uh, we have been uh, leading that spree. So we have been, uh, we want to, we want to be the front runners uh, in the space of insurtech, saying that we have been into this since two years, three years. Now please give us a door to open. So we are knocking, and we'll continue to knock and educate everyone who who can, uh, who wants us to be, uh, to be. Uh, you can say a win-win partner for 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 the industry. So as as we say Takaful, we we believe in social responsibility as well. Mm. And what about sort of the bigger players? Like you mentioned, um, how quick are they actually moving into the space? Are they um, interacting with you? Are they acting like a regulator where they're just sort of you know watching what you're doing, watching your footsteps before really acting? So in total, surprisingly, by the way, and I'm going to disclose how we did it. Uh, my brother and I we just hit up. C-suite executive from maybe 20 insurance companies, believe it or not, on LinkedIn. And these guys responded and they sat down with us and they said, okay, this is how you do it, this is wrong. This does not apply to my company, this does. Um, I think a lot of it is, is out of curiosity. So there's more curiosity than anything else. And uh, a big problem that might arise or a challenge, I wouldn't say a problem because every startup has a challenge, mm -hmm. is the chicken and egg scenario where everybody says, beautiful, I'll do it, but find someone first and I'll be the second. So um, even the, the major, major players, for example, in the life insurance consortium example, a major player, by sharing their portfolio or their data uh, on to screen life insurance applicants, might be, or in their opinion, at a disadvantage by giving all that data to a smaller player. But really, the way we see it is the first joiners get to determine how the network is run. Again, similar to how with Bitcoin, you can have a 51% attack, or if, if a certain consortium is made that really mandates Bitcoin Core, for example. Um, so the five or six early joiners onto this consortium would really draft the memorandum of understanding and the smart contracts, what parameters should be used, what happens if you do X, what happens if you do Y. So they have that social responsibility or that, that insurance responsibility to be the people who mandate what happens within this consortium. Because again, on enterprise level, it's gonna be very different than a public blockchain, right? Uh, we've found that they don't act like regulators, no. They've given us a lot of advice, so the, the POC has pivoted significantly from what it was at the beginning. But they're tentative, so there's curiosity and there's kind of, it's a risk-adverse industry. The entire insurance industry revolves around the word risk, and I don't want to take risk. And budgets for IT are not the same as with banks, but there's 
a movement. They're saying, okay, fintech did this. We're in short tech. We're fintech's little sister. Head up and 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 kind of catch up with these guys. Yeah, no, I mean, even if you just look at the investment scene, particularly from China and the US, it's just sort of ballooned in the past couple of years where insurtech firms have been crazy. Um, billion dollar valuations. Billion dollar valuations, absolutely, yeah. So so when we say unicorns, so probably insurtechs will be the unicorn sooner. Yeah. Right? Well, I hope. We yeah. hope we are. We. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, from that point of view, Adenda is, is um, we're kind of we're fundraising now. We're halfway through, actually. We announced that we're fundraising in, in December. And we're a team of four, so it's a very small, lean team. Uh, me and my brother and two developers, Harsh Ashmera and Rohit, uh, intelligent guys. They're, they're mm. Hyperledger Fabric, IBM certified developers. And there has been investment locally and regionally. So it's impressive to see that there is a movement from insurance companies, insurers and whatnot, that they're interested in investing in something like this. Great stuff. Now, if, um, I mean, on a last note, if there's you know anything that you'd like to tell the audience about sort of use cases of blockchain or just anything in general about the market, what would it be? I would say that use cases for blockchain, a lot of what insurers are telling us is that we have to check with authority first or that these approaches have to happen from top down. What we're finding is that we're still coming up with a lot of use cases where startups can collaborate with insurers without having to wait for uh, kind of the written approval from an authority because it takes a lot of time. So Uber never waited. has to come from bottom up, right? Exactly, I mean, that's exactly. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I don't think startups should be discouraged. We have been rejected may, way, way more times than we have been accepted for ideas that we had. And we treat that rejection as a way to move even in a leaner way where we have, we pivot whatever the product is because you're in constant communication with the market. Insurers are not what people think they are. They're very approachable. I found it myself. Uh, you have people who are very, very, very senior in insurance companies who don't mind sitting down with you and teaching you and taking time to do that because there's passion mm-hmm. for innovation and for insurtech. Speaking of Vivek, of course, here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Walid. Uh, so as a closing note, Ahmed, use cases can be phenomenal. Wherever insurance is a, is a business of data, as I said earlier as well. So wherever data is, so you have the blockchain. And it's about how you understand and perceive. Uh, in in my past examples, I have given you a couple of examples wherein uh, for motor insurance, for life insurance, for medical insurance, some for marine as well. So I think I think the use cases are pretty pretty phenomenal. It's not that there is not a solution. We just need to identify which value chain this solution fits in, and and it's there. It's there. And and on the closing line will be it's a copied one from somewhere. So <laughs> uh, again, uh, I'll go to the Amsterdam conference, which said. If change is essential, if change is essential, follow the change. Money will follow automatically. So, so that's the closing sentence. That's music to my ears. <laughs> Great to Good hear. Luck. Good Cheers, luck. Cheers. Um, all right. So, if anybody wanted to contact you guys, how could they get in contact with you? You can grab a coffee with us at any time. Just add us either on LinkedIn, my brother or I, or you can pass by FinTech Hive. We'll sit around with you. We'll, if you're even a startup that's interested in anything FinTech or InsureTech related, I uh, would love to help you out. Otherwise, our website is www.adenda.tech. Likewise, I am available on internet as well as uh, you can say LinkedIn, as Walid quickly mentioned. And we are right on the Shikzad Road. Visit our offices. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who are listening and enjoyed the show, um, if you have not yet subscribed, I'm not sure about you two, please go and make sure you, you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Those reviews do help the show a lot. And 
tell a friend about the show, tell them about what we're doing and tell them to give a listen, particularly into this sort of new use case series that we're doing as well. Once again, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so Ahmed. Thanks for this.